everybody shoot, think, shoot up guns and blow stuff up. Aye. <laughs> I just love the idea that the boy fans are going to the cinema with bricks just in case. <laughs> I mean, put a musical element in if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I was My name's at. Bond. <laughs> James Bond. I love like the kind of the, dis- the disapproving dad kind of vibe. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Build a Bond podcast. My name's Stuart Morrison, and please welcome my co-host. The way that you hold me, whenever you hold me. It's Fraser MacArthur. Oh, there's some kind of magic inside you. That's my favourite, Stuart. You know me so well. I know, I know. Beautiful. And your rendition as well. How lovely. I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid I don't have the voice to, to sing it, but... How you doing? Yes, I'm doing very, very good. It's uh, another exciting episode of build bond Can't wait. Yeah, me neither. Very exciting. More great guests coming up. Thank you so much to everyone at home who's been listening, tuning in. We love hearing from you, so it's been great, and I'm glad you've been enjoying the series so far. What are we doing, Fraser? Why on earth are we here? What are we talking about? What is going on? Well, we are here on the Build a Bond podcast to welcome a very, very special guest into the virtual studio to design their fantasy James Bond movie. And they do that by casting James Bond himself, a co-star, or Love Interest, or Bond Girl, as they would maybe have used to be known. They also cast a villain, they pick a director, and someone to perform the theme song. The great thing is about this is that there are no rules, there are no regulations, there are no limits to who anyone can pick. Anyone from any time, living or dead, doesn't even have to be actors, doesn't have to be anyone in the movie industry. It's open to all sorts of interpretation. Living dead not even born yet yeah absolutely not even born yet (laughs) wow that all sounds like a tremendous load of fun i can't wait yeah and we do get some surprises with uh, with people with people bringing up with their choices i like i've liked all the choices so far we've had had some some really great ones but the ones where they name their pick and you're and me and you fraser we're just sitting there like how has nobody thought of that yet how has that not come up before the ones that really take you by surprise yeah but that's something that happens in the James Bond films anyway, is sometimes people crop up that, that do surprise you. That's true, actually, yeah. And I, I think because it's been going on for so long and there's been so many, sometimes you'll be watching one from like the, I don't know, one of the older ones, one of the more recent ones, and you're, you know, hitting pause going, wait a minute, was that really him? Or was that really them? There's, a, there's loads. They, they keep cropping up. There's loads. I remember in uh, Casino Royale, uh, when Richard Branson appears on the airport. Oh, yeah. Yeah, getting yeah. wandered at the airport. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a rubbish cameo that was. Maybe he's not got that much on because he always, he always seems to crop up in films, doesn't he? I've seen him in a few things. Yeah, maybe he was in Friends as well. Get back to work, Richard. <laughs> I know. Start flying those planes. This is one that I remember and it was it's a film that I've actually not seen in, in many, many years. And it was in Never Say Never Again. And Rowan Atkinson turns up. Here's a build a bond exclusive. I've never seen Never Say Never Again. Ever. No, <laughs> no never seen God. it. I'm a, I'm a purist, you know, I only just stick to the, the official ones. The official canon. Mm-hmm. The, one, of the, one of the more com- comedic cameos that comes up, I think, I don't know if you remember this one, but do you remember Mini Driver? 
Yes. She's, is she like singing in like a cabaret or something? Yeah. Yeah. In GoldenEye. In GoldenEye, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, Minnie Driver is singing in Robbie Coltrane's club and she plays like a Russian singer and she's a terrible singer. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. quite funny about it. That was, yeah, singing that's a, Stand, I, she's singing Stand By Your Man by Patsy Cline. I do remember that. Yeah, that's a great little cameo. Brilliant. Yeah. Even, even smaller than that, do you remember in Tomorrow Never Dies? I mean, Gerard Butler, isn't it? What? No. Yeah. Watch it again. I, this is quite a good one. Quite a few people have pointed it out to me, actually. You know, there's, there's a scene when, when, the, when the British Navy ship's getting sunk by Elliot Carver's super stealth ship. Right, yeah. And one of the sailors, you know, it's like a bit, it's honestly like seconds, a tiny bit part. One of the sailors is Gerard Butler. And he makes it in, does he? Yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't make it, unfortunately. Spoiler yeah. alert. He goes, he goes down with this ship. Yeah, so it's always, it's always worth yeah keeping your eyes peeled for who's popping up in these movies. I wonder who is who will be an extra on No Time to Die, which will and will one day become a major movie star. Oh wow, yeah, that's a that's a an interesting thought. Right, Stuart, I've got a wee quiz question for you. How are you feeling for your trivia tonight? Oh, it can go either way, to be honest, Fraser. Sometimes you ask me, and I'm you know I just give you a blank look back. Sometimes though, you know, I'm feeling I'm feeling lucky today. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling positive. Good, because this one's quite an easy one, I think. I think you'll do well in it. Okay. Um, whether the listeners do well, let's, well, that's for, for us to see, mm-hmm. for them to find out. <coughs> <laughs> Bond themes aren't known for being chart toppers so much, but they have been known to be very popular in the music community, so much so that three of them have either been covered or sampled in UK top 10 performances. Can you name those three? Hmm. Well, you're right in one thing. I am a fan of the James Bond theme songs, so it's it's a good category for me. There's one that sticks out to me immediately, uh, which I'm, I think you'll know which one that is. But the other two, I'm going to have to think about. Okay, so hmm. Yeah. yeah, there's one in there that I know that you and I are both big fans of. So I guess that means it's time now to welcome on our guest and get on with this episode of Build a Bond. Well, what a guest we have for you today, folks. Taking the Builder Bond hot seat is the man at the helm of what's got to be one of the most ambitious Scottish film projects of all time. Following a run of short film success in which he picked up the award for Best Director at the Bootleg Film Festival in New York City, he graduated into the world of directing features, most recently with the hugely successful and popular genre mashup Anna and the Apocalypse. We're very lucky to have him here and to hear his picks. So prepare your ear holes for John McPhail. Hey! <laughs> Thanks for the introduction, man. Very welcome. How are you doing, John? Hi, good, good. Can't really go to the house, but get out of the shops is like the most entertaining thing of the day. Like, oh, I'm going to get the milk. Who am I going to bump into today? <laughs> Sometimes when I'm at the shops, I like think, oh, I better get something for tea tomorrow. And then I go, actually, probably not, because then I'll have nothing to do tomorrow. So <laughs> I'll just do it one day at a time. I mean, how does a, a big time movie director such as yourself fill your time when you're in lockdown? Pretty much, it's just development, man. Like, like most of it, like, was spent beforehand was to get a film set up to go. And, like, it's just been all over the shop because of just the way everything's been going. But, you know, we've just all been keeping ourselves busy with, like, development and writing and pitching and 
Um, aye, aye. So it's been it's been busy like that. We've just been trying to you know get as much done as possible. I did see something like because like really I'm sure everybody feels like this, but like literally I feel like I get nothing done. Even though I, I like I know I'm doing loads and I know I've like I'm taking stuff off and I'm and I have things to work towards. But most of the day I'm like I've not done anything today. I've like literally looked at my switch and I'm like I'm going to play that and then went Nah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'll save I'll that for a, later for a treat. I know, I'll read a book and it's like, oh, oh I don't need the motivation to read a book, you know? <laughs> the good thing about lockdown and everyone being stuck at home is they've got a load of time to watch Netflix. And I think a lot of people have been switching on Netflix and watching Anna and the Apocalypse. You know, it's been so many, like, so much hype about it. Everyone's been enjoying it so much and it's, it's great it's on Netflix as well. Uh, no, I know, like, it's been on Netflix in Canada for, I think it was like from it, like literally from its like release. So in the U- UK, it was Sky that bought it. Mm. So, um, um, like we had one of them, one of actually my favorite moments was like with all the different things we'd done with the film, like all the different festivals we've attended, the places it screened, like the cinemas, like we had a theatrical release in like the US and stuff like that. It's been released by Orion, you know, and you're like, like there's so much of this is cool. And like my phone blew up when everybody like had seen it was on Sky Movies. They're like, oh my God, mate, you've made it. You're on Sky. And I'm like, what? We've got all the other achievements. And they're like, no, 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 you're on Sky. <laughs> um, but it's cool being on Netflix as well because there's a lot of folk, that, I know loads of folk who have, like, haven't go off Sky and it's just like mm-hmm. literally like they'll, they'll just been able to see it for the first time, which is really, really cool. Um, and it does feel like it's given it like a, a, a new breath of audience and a different kind of audience as well. So, um, so I know it's, it's cool. It's really cool. I watched it quite a while ago now, actually, and I just couldn't help thinking, like, how do you go about directing a romantic zombie musical Christmas comedy <laughs> mashup that that is? I just just follow the script. Wow, this is pretty good. I'll just do that. No. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I mean, it did start with that. Like, that's the, the basis for everything. It's like a really good script. And, like, Alan and Ryan had, had written something that was just brilliant, you know, like, and I, I just totally, like, I fell in love with the teenagers more than, the, like, the, the spectacle. And, like, I love zombie movies and I love comedies. But, like, as I say, the kids were just, like, they were just brilliant on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just loved them. And I wanted to do them justice, if that makes sense. Like, you know, when you're like, and I love characters so much, you're like, I want to tell your story and I really want to, you know, do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, the musical side of it wasn't like, you know, like my, like, go-to. Before I made this movie, if you'd have been like, John, we're going to go see a musical, I'd be like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> like, my favourite musical was South Park, Bigger, Longer and Uncut. And, you know, like, so for me, that was like always going to be like the hard part. So like sort of try to immerse myself in that world and sort of try to sort of discover that. I'm a huge horror fan. Like, I love horror. So I knew that there'd be a lot of folk like me in the audience going, John, mate, I, I-, I turned up for, like, you know, like a zombie a zombie movie. Like, I've just got high school musical. Like, where are those zombies? Like, come on. Um, so it was, like, making sure, like, the, the beginning of the second act was, like, that horror comedy. Like, so I do, like, a whole host of horror tropes. You know, it's, like, high angle above our, you know, you know, starting in tight and then coming out wide and, you know, we creep under the bed or her getting out of bed and all that. And it's all building towards her just getting a sweetie. And it's what I was trying to sort of say is like to my, like the horror fans there, like, like, thanks for waiting. Horror comedy is about to ensue. And then she steps outside and it's like chaos everywhere. Yeah. Um, because of the, the, the third act was going to be really quite dark and we were going to start to lose characters. Like that by that midpoint, we really needed to push the, the, the drama and, um, uh, the whole first act, like all the, the black level was on the floor and I was using like all these primary colours, these blues and reds and greens and yellows and sort of like as we progressed through the story, we started to really push those blacks and they become really, really inky 
And then the by the time we get to the third act, those reds and blues and greens and yellows, like I twisted them and made them become like quite sour colours. So it was like almost like turquoises and peaches and pinks and things like that. So it was still nice and bright, but there had been a change. So that's kind of how I, like I, I sort of thought it out. And I thought that's how we'll do it. That, that'll work. And that'll tie the audiences together as well and sort of keep people engaged and, you know, be given still that, that teenage drama as well as the... Um, the horror side of it and sort of with a musical fun thrown in it's yeah it's, it's crazy when you like if i'm tell, telling someone about it or, or you know trying to recommend it to someone or something and you're trying to explain it you're like yeah it's kind of like a teen's drama like kids at school but it's also a musical and it's also like a, a zombie horror film oh and it's also a comedy as well and when, when you say it like that you're like what's this film going to be but you know it's so beautifully put together and it works so well it's it's a crazy accomplishment yeah well, like Literally, I came home to my mum like when I got the job, and I was like, "Mum, I got the job," and she's like, "What is it you're doing?" And I'm like, "It's a, a zombie musical set at Christmas." And she's like, <laughs> "Really? That's that's be what I do next?" I'm like, "No, no, no! It's really good. It's really good." My mum loves like like Channel Five horror movies, like you know, like mm. like the horror channel where it's just like crap, um, <laughs> <laughs> vampire tarantulas and you know, like mad. Attack of the Worms, like, you know, and it's terrible actors with big CG worms next to them. Like, she loves all that. So she was like, you, like, you, like this doesn't, this sounds like something I'm going to watch, like, at mm. five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> the scene that you were talking about where at the start of the second act, when she, when all the chaos is ensuing, and she, I think she's singing as she's walking over the street and everything's yeah. happening around her. Like, you can see, like, it's all happening behind her. You can't, I absolutely love that. I thought it was so well done and so well choreographed. Um, so massive kudos to you. Oh, no, thanks again. Like, we, we, we had a brilliant team and like, you know, uh, Sarah Swire, who plays Steph, was a choreographer. Where we shot that, like, I think we, sh- so we shot that, it's like February, March. So um, we went letter dropping around, around Greenock, like uh, around the street saying like, hi, yeah, we don't have a lot of money and we're shooting a Christmas sequence. Can you put your Christmas stuff up? And like ev- everybody in the street put all their stuff up, like literally oh like God. all the stuff in the windows, the lights and stuff. Like my art department turned up like, yes, here we go. The folk around that area, they were just brilliant. So they were like, um, all the people that stayed there, they were, I need bother, we'll do that. That sounds like a laugh. <laughs> I was actually, I've, I've got actually a pre-prepared joke about, um, about you filming in Greenock, but since you, um, I've praised it so much, I might, I, I might dodge it. Oh, well, technically, technically, we were based in the port, which is even worse. <laughs> it's even worse. <laughs> um, I, it's uh, like again, like the, the in the school we were filming, and it was, it was in like this the middle of our housing scheme as well. Like, but we never get any bother. Like, the, we had security and stuff, and like some kids turned up on bikes and stuff. Like, oh, all right, mate, you did filming Tiger. Uh, <laughs> how do you know what Tiger is? Um, <laughs> Uh, but like, like in mostly everybody was brilliant. Because so often you watch stuff that's like filmed in Scotland and they big up, you know, film in Scotland, it's in like beautiful Glencoe and it's in these like amazing, <laughs> like the Highland scenery or like, you know, like, you know, it makes out Scotland is, which of course Scotland is a beautiful place, but it's nice to see, you know, a film set in the real Scotland, you know, what we experienced <laughs> going to school and that. I'm going to, I'll go for the joke anyway, right? I was going to say, the good thing about filming in Port Glasgow is that you didn't have to hire makeup to do the zombies. <laughs> to be fair, it was a it was a fair few. Drive by them, I hope they're not coming to say. <laughs> it's so great to hear some of your stories from from filming. But, um, I guess we'll, we'll we'll push on with the with why we're here in the first place. Uh-huh. Um, are you a Bond fan, John? 
So I and not like you know it's, it's it's one of those ones that I I dip in and out of because there's times when I'm like oh Goldeneye like for me I, I, I love Goldeneye. I think it's where we kind of like a lot of that nostalgia from playing like the video game all the time. Mm. You know what I mean? And then you know I get I get dead excited about like uh, Casino Royale and then I was raging because I was like it didn't they end? They just played cards and, and and got a gun and, and then lost that like and then <laughs> drove a motor a hundred yards down the road and crashed that like what what's going on like where's Where's the, the, the rockets coming out of, like, the volcanoes and, like, like <laughs> to blo- going to blow up the moon? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like that's, like, that's what I, I would expect from a Bond. And then, you know, um, I, would, I got really excited about Sky, like, Skyfall and, like, quite a lot of that was really good. And then it just turned into Home Alone. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, which again, and there's me complaining that it's you know about no blowing up the moon. It's like, well, come on, you want the silliness? We've got Home Alone in it, John. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we're moving, we're catering Bond to you. Um, but like, I'm so I'm not a diehard, but I do, I, I do love a Bond movie. So like, I like, I, I would go back to like the the the, the Roger Moore ones and like the, the early Sean Connery ones. I think it's just as I say, the nostalgia from growing up with. It. Mm. You know, and like I think the first like real Bond movie that came out that I went to see in the cinema again was like Goldeneye and stuff. So you know, like I, I've got such a fond affection for that kind of like era of it. Like, well, I know it's a, a large era, but do you know, I mean that older mm. kind of feel? Um, and then, um, but I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Daniel Craig and I love I love his Bond. You know, and I love the the the, the sort of like the kind of went a little bit born identity with it and stuff like that you know yeah. like sort of leaned into that kind of sort of side with the sort of Paul Greengrass kind of shooting and yeah I mean that opening sort of running sequence in Casino right now with like you know like across the cranes I remember going to see that in the cinema and being like way we go yeah. and I'm like hey, Bonds just fell <laughs> <laughs> hey right, bring out your ma- magic parachute <laughs> <laughs> I love that sequence I think that's so cool the old parkour thing and when it jumps from one crane to the other that's awesome I know it's, it really is. You really uh, like like the adrenaline pumping, and that's kind of what you want in the beginning of a Bond movie. Um, and I suppose that is, as you say, part of the change because you know beforehand it was like something really ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and also if, like you're Roger Moore, like you're in your like late fifties, you're not going to be climbing on those cranes. <laughs> Do you? Well, he, did, he did climb up the Eiffel Tower in his late fifties. That's true. Did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You took a before we get your Bond pick. Uh, before we get fired straight into the film, let's have a wee cheers. I don't know if you've got a drink with you, John, but we've got our martinis here. So, chin chin. And feel free to tell us, John, who is your James Bond? I mean, I mean, as I say, everybody's been saying it. Idris Elba. I, I would cast Idris Elba in everything. Everything. <laughs> the coolest, the suavest. He's got this sort of like grittiness to him, this bite about him. I I just even just watching the guy walk, you're like, you're just so cool, mate. Like literally so cool. So I think I think if if I, if I was if I was to make a Bond movie, particularly like in the the twenty first century Bond movies, it would be Idris Elba, hundred percent. Yeah, he, he doesn't he doesn't walk, does he? He swoons. Ah, uh, no, totally. That's that's exactly it. He swaggers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you were to like, like write like the list of things that Bond needs on paper, yeah, the look. He needs to be like a big physical guy. He needs to be suave. He needs to be like kind of witty and funny. He needs to be like everything. You just go through with Idris Elba, and it's like tick, 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 tick. He's got all. He's got it all. For me, I'm like you know rock and roller, you know era. Yeah, yeah, Elba, yeah. Where he is and like and he's prime. Like he is getting old. He is getting on. Yeah. <laughs> like 
hope he doesn't find out I'm saying that. I know. <laughs> Twitter twa- wall where like Ed was but like McPhail, you prick. Rock man, yeah. The guy, the guy Richie, Edris Elba, I like it. Aye, uh, he's cracking in that. Absolutely cracked. To be fair, like, there's, there's so many of them are all cracking in that movie. You know what's like re- really oh. stupid? And it's, you know, I'm sure Edris Elba doesn't look back on it as his finest performance, but he's in the American office for a while. And that was for me when I Is saw he? it. Yeah. And I saw it and I, and I, and I saw him and I thought, pretty weird. first of all, it's pretty weird you're in it, but he's, he's, I think if I was to pick him at a certain age, he's at, he's at a really good age where he's, you know, he's still young enough to have a long kind of bond before him. He's obviously wearing a suit a lot because he's in like the office or whatever. And he's, he, and, you know, it's, he, he's absolutely massive compared to everyone else. Like on the, on the screen, he's like, just, you know, really like, you know, demands your attention when he's on screen. And also he's really funny in it as well, which sometimes like you don't see that often in some of his roles, you know, when they're a bit more serious. But then when he's in the office, you know, and, and that's so important for Bond as well. You gotta be funny as well. I didn't, I didn't even know he was in the American Office. Like, so I never really watched the American Office. Like, um, uh, I, I'm not the biggest like, you know, Steve Carell fan. Like, hmm. um, says me who loves Minions. Like, but you know, <laughs> like, like, um, I'd seen like the Forty Year Old Virgin and things like that, and you know, like the British Office had been out, and I loved that. I loved the sort of the, the Gervais performances in there, and like that. I think it's like somebody else doing it. Yeah, and like you mm. know, I'd, I'd seen certain like American remakes of British comedies, and sort yeah. of always went. Mm. Um, but everybody, everybody always said, "Oh, you need to check out the American Office. Need to check it out." And then I did, like I did. I think I binged like four seasons, and then I was like, "I can't watch any more of this." Like I've literally made myself sick of it. What um, was there anyone that you thought about, but were like, "Nah." Um, no, I mean, like, like I, I, I think I had them, like Steve Carell, like <laughs> straight of minions, um, but. <laughs> Uh, no, like I think it was just because of like I have always sort of went like I, I really wish he'd got the shot. I wish he had been, you know, given it like like mm. you know an earlier time that I, I have been just sort of like kind of fascinated with seeing Edris Elba as Bond. So when when you had said about it, I was, I thought it was like, nah, that's my that's my choice, and I'm sticking by it. I would I think the the look that I would go for for Edris Elba is in Thor. Ah, oh, totally. Hey, I forgot he's in you know, Thor. He's got, like, the, the long hair and the. <laughs> <laughs> bright coloured eyes and the but I mean it's a ridiculous it would be ridiculous as Bond but I just think it'd be cool as fuck traditionally what is called in Bond films like the the Bond girl the love interest the co-star this is Bill the Bond you can do whatever you want with it with your co-star role it can be a love interest it can be a fellow spy it can be a Bond girl it can be anything you want have you picked someone to co-star alongside Idris Elba Karen Gellingham <laughs> nice <laughs> I love Karen. I think she's brilliant, yeah. um, and I, I think she would be. She's particularly turned into such a like kick-ass action star, and she's got that range as well. You know, playing yeah. Nebula to then go to Jumanji, yeah, and you know, there's a director in there as well. So like, you know, you're getting like a, someone, as I say, that completely understands the structure of like what a Bond movie should be, and you know, I, I think that as a as an actor, a, actress, like she's you know the top of the game. Like that's that's who you reach for, <laughs> like. You ever get like a, uh, I think for like a million dollar movie, you're like Karen Gilliam. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And Scottish so, as well. Great to have a, such a, me- a Scottish megastar around at the moment. Yeah, I know. I know. Would you call it Malcolm? Um, he's from the same town in uh, Inverness. Really? Um, and they went to the, she does the same sort of drama classes as all of them. So there's like, there's like crossovers, um, which is really, really cool. That's amazing. I've never thought of Karen Gilliam before. That's a great shout. Nah, I actually, I'd be brilliant. Like Scottish Bond girl, that's what you want. And a ginger bond girl. That's that. 
Yeah, that's true, actually. And she can do all these action roles. I've not seen Jumanji, actually, but yeah, I can imagine oh, what it'll be like. It's great. Like, I yeah. went and I, I went and watched the playing, so I thought it was going to be quite crap. But again, I love Karen Gallingham, and I love <laughs> the um, the Rock as well. Um, kind of went off Jack Black for a wee while. Um, but I thought, like, I'm going to I'm going to you know check it out. And I was on a plane, and I like literally thought, I'm going to just fall asleep and not watch this, and just loved it. It was like, this is brilliant. This is so much fun. Um, aye, it's, um, it really takes the, like, the... The, you know, like away from the original its own way. Yeah, I totally felt the same actually about it. I because I I grew up with the original. It came out when I was maybe three or four years old, and and my brother watched it with me, and I absolutely loved it. I still love it now. And I thought oh, this remake's going to be crap, but I went into the cinema and watched it, and I thought it was brilliant. And Karen Gillan was brilliant, and she was dead funny. No, I actually great character. Yeah, I think that's a great... Is there any, like, co-stars, Bond girls from the past that, like, you kind of thought about or you kind of modelled her on or you, or you thought would be a good match? No, again, it's just because of, like, the, the, the Scottish thing about it. Yeah. You know? And again, if I'm making it and I'm like, I've got this money to spend, the first person I'm approaching is Gary Gilly. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. Um, you need to know how much you had to spend first. That would be the most important. <laughs> totally. Oh, it's a Bond movie. I get, I'm going to have, like, hundreds, hundreds yeah. of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Has there ever been a Scottish Bond girl before? I don't think there has. I don't think there has either, actually. No, yeah, they often go for like, yeah, something like some exotic. Scotland's exotic. Yeah, I know. I feel like <laughs> I'm, some, I'm de- somebody from the Caribbean. Scotland's <laughs> very exotic. <laughs> I feel like I've already uh, discreet it, and we've already discolored a bit. So <laughs> no. you know, <laughs> you're right. Scotland like, is exotic. Allowed to, we're allowed to. End the Elstow, like, nah. That's it, that's, ex- that's exactly it. <laughs> what would you say, though, if Idris Elba came and slagged it off, though? I'd, I'd take it as banter, I'd be like, oh, big man, right, come on, come on, big man. So let, let's not, let, let not, don't let me, like, start slagging London off, right? right <laughs> You'll get upset and walk off set because I'll be calling you, like, apples and pears, boy. <laughs> also, there is, <laughs> there is absolutely no way I would be starting a fight with Idris Elba either. No. <laughs> I'd like I can run fast enough. And that's that's always that's usually when I start a fight, it's like, right, can I run faster than you? It's like yeah. I I I I can start the fight like <laughs> <laughs> So Karen Gillan, is this um I mean she's obviously famous for these kick ass roles, action star. Is that the kind of character that you're gonna go for, or is it maybe a bit more subdued, a bit more mysterious? No, like I think I I, I think that, you know, because she she's she's got that, that range, regardless of whatever you're sort of putting her in. Like, and because it's Bond and it's, you know, if you're going with Edris Elba, you don't have to be, like, too serious about it. And as I say, if I'm leaning more to the older sort of Bond movies, I think that, you know, that she would just hit that sort of, like, that, that perfect between sort of, you know, funny and, and kick-ass. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of also kind of, like, always kind of swaying to sort of not having it more of, as I say, it's like a love interest kind of thing, more of, a, of a, something that would be like a rivalry. That okay. you know, that like are, are, are coming together in that way. The Bond girls of the past were always something beautiful and just very sort of be looked at and be saved and things like that. Whereas, like, sort of still in the sort of like even you know the morals are in me that you know you would you would want to to have some sort of like as I say sort of reason that it doesn't have to just be as I say someone that's that's, that's pretty that's in the role. Mm. Uh, yeah. Someone that's got as I say has got a bad bite, a bad boys about her. They can put mm. the boys as well, <laughs> and a backstory as well. A backstory. Yeah. I mean, that's ah, what, well, is that what you were kind of meaning when you're saying like that there's something else about her other than just that? that she, she's got ah, like, a, 
Aye, in the, the as I say, in the organisation, you know. You could almost have a kind of buddy cop vibe with the two of them with yourself and Karen Gillan. <laughs> Dragnet. <laughs> yes. Before we ask about your villain, are there any villains from Bond or from any other like genres that you like? Are there any like villains that really stick out to you? Oh, I, I love a villain. I mean, the Joker, obviously, like Doctor Doom, you know, like the, the sort of the comic book sort of like the world of things. Um, like I, I do love a villain getting a really good villain on screen I think it's just been it's, no one's played it like Heath Ledger in the you know um, in the Dark Knight nobody has done for me that sort of level of sort of like you know like the villain but a villain that's sort of that's that's, that's so driven and, and, and has that sort of like a, a reason behind it there's a, there's, and there is no reason do you know what I mean there's mm. like it's just chaos mm. Um that like I again I, as I say I, I love a villain I love a really really good villain I think even in that it's the difference between the, like the Brits and Americans we love a villain like we yeah. really do whereas they like to boo them they're like Whoa! you know yeah. like ah in there like, like I know we're supposed to be talking about Bond obviously but if we're talking about villains we've got to talk about Mr Savage from Anna and the <laughs> yes. what a brilliant character that is I know like again that. What I always wanted was like to get to that 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 stage where he was kind of like Willy Wonka meets the Joker, and but at the very end, of, you know, and, and with Paul K as well playing it just so so brilliantly, mm-hmm. and some of the some of the sort of like the lines they came out with were just brilliant, like the group hug one, like that that <laughs> that, that that's Paul, the um, you roly poly pig fails pleb, like all of that sort of stuff. That's Paul <laughs> really? at the moment and just going for it, and he's I, uh, he's uh, he's brilliant, he's absolutely brilliant. So like I had a lot of fun, I really a lot of fun with that. Particularly as well as when you're in the cutting room and you're just like, <laughs> even stuff like when Tony has got him over the the barrier and he's going to hit him, and he's like, "You're leaning on my balls, Tony." <laughs> <laughs> we things like that that never made the film that was in there, and uh, I we had a Bond joke in uh, and in the apocalypse now, uh, and I'm just trying to remember it because I don't want to sort of like, and I'm having a total. I'm having a total mind blank, right? Who's, uh, oh, why can't, I, why can't I remember his name? He's in Hot Fuzz with a moustache. Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton. Yeah. When Chris, wait, so the bowling alley sequence is going off, uh, the, the, the kids are all fighting back with the zombies and he's in the, <laughs> the bowling part and the, the zombie, he hits the zombie and it goes down. And uh, it, went, it went in the cutting room and I think we all kind of were like, like a bit like, you know, gutted about it, which was, he leans down, he's like, can you hear me? Um, and the zombie makes a noise and he's like, Right, who's your favourite Bond? Uh, most people don't like him, but mine's is Timothy. And the thing comes up and grabs him and like you know, starts to wrestle him again. Um, and uh, yeah, we, had, we, we cut it, you know, like, and it was just like literally Chris sort of riffing on like, you know, who's your favourite Bond? And he went with, mine's is Timothy Dalton. Like, you know, like, most people don't like him. And, and um, I, I really enjoyed it. I loved it. It was a great fun joke. And I think I can't remember who it was in post. It was like, no, I think we should lose it. And then we delivered the film and we were all joking about stuff that, you know, like, you know, around it. I was like, oh, I remember the, the Bond joke. I really loved that. And, like, everybody turned around and went, oh, I loved that too. Why did we cut it? Oh, no, I really liked that. I really, I was like, whose idea was it to cut it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, the most disappointed that we Timothy Dalton. No. <laughs> I love Timothy Dalton. Ever, ever since I saw Flash Gordon, like, you like, loved him. I think I, I was the first place I ever saw Timothy Dalton again playing a baddie. Uh, in hot, actually, in Hot Fuzz, I, I love him in that so much. It's yeah. I would even like it's controversial because obviously he has played Bond, but I would cast him as a Bond villain just based on that Hot Fuzz performance. Totally, yeah. nah, totally, hundred percent. He is amazing, so and I'm not just saying this because it was the joke in your film, but I, th- I genuinely think that he is my favourite Bond. 
<laughs> I love it. Love it. So who then are you going to have in your Bond film as a villain? John Lithgow. John Lithgow. Love John Lithgow. Uh, again, I remember, I think the first place I saw him was Cliffhanger, but I grew up watching like um, Third Rock for the Sun. Yeah. Just loved Third Rock for the Sun. It was, it was um, one of those kind of things that, you know, as a family we watched, like my mom and my dad, like we would all sit down and tune in to the new episodes of Third Rock for the Sun. And I just, I just loved Dick. I just loved him. And I always have. It was years and years later, Dexter, when, you know, yes. the, 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 you know, like, it, it was probably the best villain in Dexter. He was um, a Trinity killer, wasn't he? He was terrifying. Aye, aye. Did you know he'd do it in his wife? Yeah. Well, Spoiled spoilers. Shit, but... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Does he not do somebody in? And, <laughs> and he upsets Dexter. And, oh. That's so, you know what's funny, actually? I thought, I genuinely thought me and my family were the only ones that watched Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> I've never heard of anyone else who like... Cause... It was on cable, wasn't it? Just for the, uh, for the listeners there, when just to demonstrate that John was talking about cable, he was uh, handling an imaginary <laughs> remote. <laughs> Pointing at, at the Zoom like that. <laughs> um, that. John Lithgow, that is a good shout. I mean, he's, he's kind of... Other, I'm trying to think, other than that Dexter serial killer role... He was, he was also a villain... In Bomb, he played Roger Ailes in Bombshell. The oh, yeah. News. Uh, so he did play. Yeah, yeah. So that's like a, a pretty villainous role, and he was really, yeah. really good in that as well. And was he was he Didn't Churchill in The Crown? Is that right? I don't yes, know. He was, yeah. Never seen The Crown, and I haven't mm-hmm. seen I haven't seen Bombshell, but it was one I remember coming out of the cinema. And I was like, oh, I'm going to check this out because mm-hmm. John Lithgow's in it. Yeah, he was good in that, and like real, like yeah, proper sleazy, evil kind of character as well. Yeah. Well, because of the comedy side of it, that's why I was thinking that maybe he's going to be a, a bit more of a like sort of Roger Moore or Sean Connery type villain, like one of those era villains, like ridiculous and over the top. And I, I like I think, but I think that even if you can paint him in that way, and then knowing that in his locker he's got this twist on him, yeah, that, you know, you can actually, as I say, you sort of like dial him in a different way, you know, dialing him from that silliness. You know, it bring the guard down, and then when you really dial it up in the third act. Yeah, that's a good idea. Starts. I'm writing this down. Starts off silly. He's stealing well, your ideas, John. Become, <laughs> becomes a dick. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, def- yeah. Like the fun at the start. Maybe like Bond doesn't suspect him. He's like, oh, you know, he's meeting him at some function, and they're having a bit of a laugh. And then, yeah, when when like he's got him in his lair. And you see that like evil side of him come out. He's in like a like you say like a volcano, or he's got some like mad layer somewhere. This is this is taking us on now to a, a part of of your Bond movie that I'm very excited to hear because obviously you're a director yourself. I would right. love it. I would absolutely love it if you picked yourself. Are you going to? Ah, yeah, of course. Somebody says to me, "You can direct a Bond movie." You're like, aye, aye. <laughs> going to shoot things, shoot up guns, and blow stuff up. Aye. <laughs> And how much money do I get to play me? How much? <laughs> how much is Karen Gillan asking for? <laughs> your choice for director for your Bond movie is John McPhail. Hundred <laughs> percent, straight away. <laughs> I mean, put a musical element in if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I was. My name's at. Bond. <laughs> James Bond. <laughs> would you continue the the Christmas musical vibe, or would you go like totally different? <laughs> well, I can't because I've already done Home Alone nine with Skyfall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and are you going to shoot it in Greenock? <laughs> exactly. I bring it to Scotland, like, uh, oh, no, he's, he's going through the municipal buildings. <laughs> no, the Mitchell Library. Oh. <laughs> Look, 
Bond, we've taken you the most like classy establishment. Why are we in seventh heaven? <laughs> <laughs> I heard Diamond Dolls was better. <laughs> that would definitely be where a, a Roger Moore Bond would go if he was in Glasgow. <laughs> definitely, yeah. That's so cool. I, I love that you've picked yourself. That is a brilliant choice. Well, I'm sure I would have loved your choice. You know, no matter what, but I would have been very disappointed if you didn't pick yourself to direct. <laughs> That's what we all wanted. No, That's I what we all know. want. We would love to see your Bond film. Yeah. You know what? Like, I couldn't really tell you many of the many directors of the Bonds. You know, it's always kind of like the Bond girls and the Bonds that are kind of the things that stick out for your, yeah. in, in your mind. Even like DPs, I'm thinking like, I don't even know. Yeah, until like, I guess like Sam Mendes, there wasn't really oh. any like... It was Martin Campbell. Mm. He did GoldenEye in Casino Royale. <laughs> for my agents I need you to get me a Bond movie like fuck off John <laughs> what, what, what would be your uh, if your agent called you up and said John sit down I've got some news for you Bond, Bond have been on the phone and they want you to do the next one they're like wouldn't they be spoke like, <laughs> <laughs> do you know how hard it is for me to pitch for anything else do you want me <laughs> not, you don't have to do anything for it somebody's having you on <laughs> <laughs> what would your pitch be then if somebody if you're a if your manager or your agent said, came up to you and said, right, we, we want you to pitch for the next Bond, right, what's your, what's your top line? Oh, fuck. I see, I know how to write it as well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you, would, you, would just show, you would just send them a link to this episode of the podcast, presumably. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Just, just watch this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can get roles for those two guys, Stuart and Fraser as well, that'd be great. Yeah. I oh, know, mate. Boys, if I ever get a Bond movie, 100%, you're know, the first two I'm phoning. <laughs> Brilliant. Deal. That's, that's recorded. If Karen Gillan's not available. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I love it. The next question. We've done all the kind of cinema aspects, actors, directors. The next is one of the most important things about a Bond film. It's the theme song. Lots of iconic artists over the years have done it. Is there any Bond theme songs that you love? Any that you hate? No. I mean, I mean see, when I was younger, I remember being really annoyed by them. Like, they used to really annoy me because I'm always like, get to the bond! <laughs> you know, like, get to, the, <laughs> get to the start of the movie! And it wasn't until as I, like, got older that I really started to appreciate it. And I, like, the, I, I think the first one that, like, I really loved was Chris Cornell's You Know My Name. That's it. Like, I think it was the first time I ever went, ooh, you know, like, like really, like, oh, wow. Yeah, you know, like, like this yeah. hits you in the face, doesn't it? It's like, this uh-huh. is a big song. Aye, and it's, you know, it's, as I say, it's a bit different to, it felt a bit different to everything else that came before it. And as I said, it was, you know, it was because it was always like, you know, like, you know, just women swimming and stuff like that, or like, you know, like faces coming at each other. I'm always just going, like, you know, I don't want to see this. It's a nice, it's a pretty song, but come on, like, like where's mm-hmm. the guns and the blowing up? And as well as that, like, I, I was brought up in Schwarzenegger movies, and they just don't fuck about with that. Like, you know, literally, it's like, <laughs> Here's Arnold Schwarzenegger and he, like, you know, here's a little girl that he pets a deer weight and puts ice cream in her face and he doesn't break her neck. Like, he likes her. He likes little girl. Little girl is taken. Ah! <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, like, and I... <laughs> you've, you've described every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah. That's the best summary I've ever heard. <laughs> so I'm guessing from that then, your Bond theme song is going to be a short one. So. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> do 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 <laughs> Everybody's raging. Like, yeah. all the, bond, the Bond purists are like fucking throwing bricks at the screen and all that. Like. <laughs> My house is setting fire. Like, you're cancelled, McPhail. You ruined the Bond theme. <laughs> we wanted Adele again. 
to be fair, I, I love Adele, and I thought, like, that, again, it was, again, another absolutely cracking tune. I think she's just mm. got such an amazing voice. But really, nothing beats uh, the Chris Cornell one. Nothing. I just love the idea that the boy fans <laughs> are going to the cinema with bricks just in case. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can tell me, like, you know, if you, you know, being, being huge Bond fans yourselves, are like, is the fan forums as toxic as <laughs> like the uh, the ones that are for uh, Star Wars? I don't know, actually. I'm not really. I mean, as much as I'm a big Bond fan, I'm not really a big internet fan, so I don't really, I don't really go in for that kind of stuff. So. I, I dip in and out. I mean, nowhere near like Star Wars levels, and as well, like it's, it's different. It's a different generation. Like the diehard Bond fans are are we bit older than like maybe the diehard kind of like super nerdy Star Wars fans. All the chats about rumors, like this person doing that, this person doing that, and if if it's not to like the, the expectations of the of the of the dads at home, then you know, <laughs> there can be anger. <laughs> If there's not a scene where the Bond girl's walking out of the sea in, in a tiny bikini. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's my bikini shot? Yeah. <laughs> like, that yeah. shop, mum's right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then, John, who's who's singing your song then? Hey, so it's a weird one because you would never get away with like Arcade Fire, but I, I want guitar in there and I want something like, do you know what? Fuck it, Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters? I think yeah, Dave Grohl could really carry yeah. that. That's if you're gonna go, if you try to do something like Chris Cornell, big rock song, you know, a big like rock vocal. Aye, yeah. Fires are the best there right now. Yeah. See, I love I love guitars as well. Any opportunity, I'm like to, to try and help bring guitar back. Like <laughs> everything seems to sort of like have like moved away. Like oh, a lot of music just seems to be moving away from that sort of like crunchy guitar sound yeah i'd like to bring it back i i know a few people who are listeners avid listeners of this podcast who will be very very happy with that choice john yes i'm gonna say john and i don't want to disappoint you and uh, i feel like we've bit, you know we've built up a, a bit of a rapport here today <laughs> i do not like the food fighters i'm not <laughs> and, and and i'm the same as you i love guitar music i love rock music you know that's my genre i love that and I don't know what it is, you know. I've tried. <laughs> Believe me, I've tried. Like all my mates are massive Foo Fighters fans, and I listen to them and I try and get into it. And I don't know. It just something doesn't click with me, you know. So, Colour and the Shape, though, like I, I, it was an album I like I got that I just like I, I played all the time, and I just mm. like I just it was like I think it was probably one of the first ever perfect albums I had, like mm. that you you could put on from beginning to end. And every tune's a tune. Like, like I, I, I used to go and see the Foo Fighters every single every time they were in Glasgow. Me and my mate, we were like the waiting at you know, like to go out and buy our tickets. Be first to buy tickets to be there first in yeah. the queue. Get to stand there, stand there through every band before it. We feel so ribs because you've been crushed against the front. <laughs> I love them. That was like all my mates used to go like whenever Foo Fighters were coming to Scotland, like playing like Murrayfield and playing like with all these like huge venues and stuff. And they'd be like, oh sure, you know, because we used to go gigs together. And then be like, oh Foo Fighters, let's go. And be like. I don't know, like it's never really did it for me. I think maybe like kind of what you said, like it was when you heard the first like the album, you loved it. I think because I tried to go back and, and like listen to them retrospectively, maybe I didn't have that right. connection or something. But I don't know. I just never, never. I mean, I respect them loads. Like you know, Dave Grohl, you know, what an amazing guy. But I don't know, just never clicked for me. I I really like that choice. I I do like Foo Fighters. Um, I I do think they've got a very distinctive sound, and sometimes feel like that they don't stray very far away from that. But my favourite Foo Fighter songs are always, they always do stray away from their sort of distinctive sound and they always do, are a little bit different and a bit out there and a bit weird. I can't remember if they're in that, uh, if that, if they're in that album, The Colour and the Shape, 
but there's a song, uh, I think it's called New Way Home. I don't think that's one. No. New Way Home. Or, is that... Is that it's like, it goes, it, it kind of goes along sort of quite normally and then it to- everything like strips back and it's like a, it gets really really quiet and it builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up until there's like a massive crescendo right at the very end and I just absolutely love that and I think that would be so cool in a Bond, a Bond movie Fuzz hey, that's my choice great big rock song straight into a big action film loads of fun exactly Something yeah, it, 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 yeah <laughs> just opening scene just an explosion somewhere <laughs> <laughs> don't establish nothing just an explosion yeah, yeah. like whoa <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think um, it fits your film perfectly as I said like my views on the Foo Fighters aside I definitely think they would be a great fit for your film Dave Grohl does a bit of acting as well doesn't he he could maybe get a wee starring role aye he was in Tenacious D as well and stuff mm-hmm. he was in the video for Tenacious D I thought he was what his name is because he, he drummed on that album for them did yeah, he not uh, yeah yeah, yeah, and he's like the devil as well, and like the, uh, in the film, yeah. Just for the listener there, uh, John did symbolise some drums <laughs> with his hands. Should <laughs> <laughs> he set my horns right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really, that's uh, that's best part of a film that you've got there. This is where you get kind of free reign to do whatever you like. Are there any other details in your film that you want to fill us in on? Have you got any locations or gadgets or further casting, plots or sequences? Or... No, I mean, well, obviously, as I said, things like an underwater base with some sort of like nuclear silo under there, I think would be, you know, would be pretty cool using some sort of like weird tech submarines to get there. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like little tiny ones, which means get you get sharks, pet sharks, you know. John Lithgow, he's pet sharks like that, but stro- John is stroking sharks. Shark. with freaking <laughs> lasers <laughs> on their freaking heads. That's it. In fact, I hadn't even thought about the lasers on their heads. That's it. To <laughs> <laughs> be fair, I love sharks. Like, I love shark movies. Like, even the, like, Santa Jaws and, like, you know, like, Jaws 4 <laughs> the Revenge. Like, love, love a good, you know, shark movie. So, and it, there's always something about, like, whenever I'm playing video games and there's, like, sharks in the game where you're like oh, oh, oh too much like, the sharks will get me I think that would be like where the the, the, the the penultimate scene would end up is in this sort of underwater base um, I would like to get Glasgow in there somewhere maybe we could have Glasgow for the opening sequence blowing up some shit I might say I like support so let's blow up Ibrox eh? and do some of that um, <laughs> you should say you should You're say both like, guy. yeah say blow up Ibrox and blow up Celtic Park say both and we'll edit it together for our different ah, audiences yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> just blow up um, no Partick Thistle sorry I'd rather blow up Celtic Park than uh, Partick Thistle I'd feel rotten for that I'd be like well, where are the Partick Thistle supporters gonna go <laughs> I know like you know and that something uh, probably like the opening action sequence <laughs> and the clockwork orbs <laughs> the glass going to the ground like ah, yeah. that's a great idea like they did all that stuff in Skyfall eh, that was in like London underground I think yeah. it's Glasgow's <laughs> turn Glasgow's turn to get their underground means it's just turned into a B-Bond movie haven't it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always feel like like I'd like to get back to the original queue like I think you would, I'd like to have him in there he'd been in there, like pretty much every Bond movie up till then as well so Having the original queue would always say uh, that would be my that would be the way I'd like to go with. Yeah. I don't like the younger kind of one. Like, I always just feel like it's kind of like I don't know. I like the line like as well from like an, an like older queue, like and younger Bond. It's a bit like 
stop messing around, Bond, you know, that kind of vibe. Yeah. Exactly, you know, like the, the younger one kind of feels like he's the one that's getting in trouble or like, you know, yeah. whereas having that old head there, it's, you know, like every time I, I can explain it to you and you know he's explained it. Yeah. You know he sat him down and you know he's gave him the instruction manual and said, read this before you use it. And the Bonds went, as John is throwing something over his shoulder. That's good. Okay, Desmond Llewellyn's in his queue. That was his name. I was sitting, I'm having a terrible name day of the day, so I'm... I'm happy with that one. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it'd be great to have him back, yeah. Exactly what you say as well. I I love like the kind of... The, dis- the disapproving dad kind of vibe that, that that he brought when he was I think like you'd bring him back maybe not like what age he would be now because he must be like no, 100 no. now he's, he's <laughs> younger than that I was going to say yeah, he's dead he'd be like moving about a skeleton, <laughs> skeleton <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> people all dressed in black carrying him about like bombs <laughs> like Whoa. it's a shame they had to hand over to John Cleese because he was rubbish he was wasn't he <laughs> I love John Cleese but he was not any good at that <laughs> Like I love John Cleese, like, you know Monty Python. Yeah. I don't like Twitter John Cleese. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, don't, don't, come on! Like, you know, like I would, <laughs> wouldn't let my granddad say half these things. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, um, there we go. Go on, Fraser. Talk us through John McPhail's Bond film. I will, and I will with pleasure. John McPhail, your James Bond film is as following: as the man himself, James Bond, you've got Idris Elba the rock and roller era. Uh, as your co-star, you've got Karen Gillan. As your villain, you've got John Lithgow, who starts off quite silly. This is this is the literal words that I've written down. Starts off silly with a twist. <laughs> <laughs> um, as your director, you've picked John McPhail. I know what a loser that guy is. And singing your theme tune, you have the Foo Fighters. Um, you've also got Desmond Llewellyn coming back as Q. Um, you've got an underwater base with some weird sub- small submarines and sharks. Um, you've got the opening sequence taking place in Glasgow, maybe in the Clockwork Orange, maybe a stadium or two getting blown up <laughs> in the process. <laughs> Let's take that out because I'm going to get a doing on Twitter for that. <laughs> Depending on which side of the city you're on, it can be... One of two stadiums. <laughs> or both. <laughs> or both. <laughs> yeah. Great. So that's your full Bond film. I've got one more question to ask you, John. And I've deliberately not prepared you for this one. And that question is, what would your Bond film be called? Oh, the douchebag with no name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a couple of thoughts. John, and you can let me know if you you like these or not. <laughs> based on well, based on the Glasgow setting and, and based on some of the things you suggested for your opening explosion, you could go for for your Ibrox only. <laughs> <All right. laughs> nice. I, th- I thought even better based on where you're going to be definitely setting one scene of your film. You could call the film "Diamond Dolls Are Forever." <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I think I think we're going with Diamond Dozer. <laughs> well, John, thank you so much uh, for coming on and and giving us your picks and for having a great chat about about your movie experiences, about Anna and Apocalypse and everything else. Um, it'd be awesome to know. I mean, how, I don't know how much you can tell us, but what what, what have you got coming up? 
couple of things in casting. Um, me and Nason, uh, who, who produced Anna and the Apocalypse, we've had a film, we've been sort of um, uh, trying to get sorted for a wee while. We're, we're casting the moment for that. Um, <clears throat> we were wanting to shoot it in North Carolina, but of course the South is fucked. And then we were going to go and, go and try and shoot it in South Africa. But then the South African variant came out. So now we're looking at Australia. So <laughs> it's just steadily shifting, moving further and further away. Um, so, so we've got that. I've got a couple of films that I've um, that I've got as I say in development. Two, two for um, for try race finance for just now. Most of these are all US based. I've got one that I'm working on with Jack Tarlin. I made a little short film called Special Delivery, um, and uh, Jack produced that. He um, produced God's Own Country and uh, I wait for their instructions. Um, wow. So, um, so yes, we got like a, a weird, a mad, weird horror romantic comedy set in the Scottish Highlands thing that we were quite, we're quite uh, excited about. Um, I'd like you to do a genre mashup. No, I know, I know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I sold a film to Amazon Studios with uh, Channing Thames Production Company and Scooter Braun. It's a sort of like Lady Macbeth inspired YA musical. <laughs> Back to the musicals. Um, so so I, it is a mixed bag as well. Um, we all, in fact, me and uh, Nason and uh, Roddy and Tommy We've um, hopefully finalised the sale of a, a, a series that we've been sort of been sort of working away on as well. Roddy and Tommy done the music for Anna and the Apocalypse, so so there's like there's a whole host of things that are all sort of like dotted about in different sort of like places. So so I hopefully hopefully keep throwing shit at the wall. Something will stick. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing, John. I'm so excited for for whatever comes next. You know, as I'm sure you've gathered from the from the call, we're massive fans of Anna and the Apocalypse and all your other work. So we're so excited for for what comes next. No, honestly, boys, thanks thanks very much. Thanks for this like like fun chat. Like you know, lockdown like really really sucks, and like this was this is just a, a total joy and been a total laugh. It's uh, it's really really cheered really really cheered me up from my 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 hub day. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. How brilliant was it that we finally got someone to pick themselves? Yeah, I'm so pleased, and um, I would, as I said in the show and on the episode, I would have been disappointed if he hadn't picked himself. Yeah, such a, it was a it was a really great film as well, really good fun, lots of action and explosions, which we have, I don't think we've really had before. Really, John was definitely keen to bring the fun back a little bit, and uh, you know, bring back some of the stuff that he'd loved from his younger days watching Bond. And who better to do that than himself? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That would fit in with it, with his kind of films. So, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Clockwork Orange, Chase Sequence, love it. Yeah. For any international fans, that is the subway that is uh, present in Glasgow. It's not quite the same as like a New York or a London or a Paris subway system. Quite, It just goes <laughs> in one circle. It's got its own charms, I would say. Yeah. And for our listeners, for our international listeners as well, we should list off other various Glasgow landmarks that John mentioned. Yeah. Ibrox is a football stadium. The Mitchell yeah, Library uh, is a library. <laughs> yeah. And also for international listeners, Diamond Dolls is a strip club. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just leave that one. Okay. But we can. It's called Diamond Dolls Are Forever. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. It's a, a high-end nightclub in Glasgow. Good. So, um, how did you get on with your quiz question tonight? Shit. Shit. <laughs> well, okay. Yes, I got on shit. And also it's shit because I forgot. <laughs> I was, normally I sometimes, you know, in, in lulls in the conversation, uh, I think about the quiz question. 
because uh, because there was no lulls in that conversation because it was so great chatting to John. I I've actually genuinely forgot. I have a couple that came to me straight away. I don't. I think one of them is probably right. The other one I think is probably not right. Yeah, I feel bad because you teed it up as uh, one that I might find quite easy, and actually I have uh, not done so well. Shall I give you my answers? Yes. So question was yeah. uh, about Bond themes that have been covered or sampled by UK top ten performances. What's your answers? Well, I thought I had a good answer, but I'm just thinking top 10. Actually, that's quite tough. Like, it has to be a pretty big hit to be top 10. And the one I've thought of isn't necessarily... That was fairly big, I suppose. The, the one I'm thinking of is Diamonds from Sierra Leone, Kanye West, also remixed with Jay-Z. It obviously, is a, is a sample of uh, Diamonds Are Forever. That's correct, that's yeah. And that, I think that got to number... I think when I was doing my research, I found it got to number eight. In the UK charts. Big tune. Big tune. Love it. That was the one I knew that you would get because me and you have, I'm sure, shared a beer or two over that um, tune I think, I think you're right. And I, controversial. Don't at me on Twitter. In fact, do at me, at Bilderbond007. I think the Kanye West version is, is actually better than the, the actual Bond theme. Wow. Shirley Bassey will be, I was going to say, spinning in her grave, but she's not dead. <laughs> Any guesses at the other two? The other one I thought of, and this is, oh, you're going to laugh at me because it's silly. I do remember at some point when we were growing up, there was a, a, a version of the Bond theme song that was done by Moby. <laughs> do you remember Moby? <laughs> I remember Moby, but I don't remember that. He did a version of the Bond theme. Okay. Yeah, I feel, I feel stupid saying it. Is it that? One them, no, it's not that. Oh. One of them you'll be kicking yourself. One of them is Live and Let Die by Guns N' Roses. Oh, for flip's sake, yeah, obviously. Yeah, and the other one is a sample of You Only Live Twice, and it was Robbie Williams in the song Millennium. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, wow, another great episode of Build a Bond, give me more of that, then the best way to do that is hit subscribe on your podcast app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the other ones. It's the only way that... The hierarchy, you know, the the man will know that we're doing really well. Yeah, and the other way to really get at the man is to rate us five stars on your podcast app. If you rate us five stars and you give a wee comment just saying, bloody enjoyed that, top stuff, lads, that'll boost us right up the charts as well and we will uh, get ourselves into more ears of more Bond fans and hopefully that'll allow us to get even more amazing guests just like John McPhail. Just like John McPhail. Brilliant. So that was a great episode, Stuart. I really enjoyed that and I'm really, really excited to do loads more of these in the future. Looking forward to it. See you then. Bye.